Hey, so I imagine you're listening to this podcast because you're an artist yourself and you want some insider tips, insights, and general advice from artists you respect. One aspect of the business we sometimes discuss on Best Advice is rollout strategies. When you're dropping new music, you want to give it the best chance of getting heard. It's all about reaching the right listeners at the right time. That's why our team at Spotify for Artists built Marquee. Marquee is a marketing tool for turning listeners into bigger fans of your new music. With Marquee, you can send full screen recommendations of your latest album, EP, or single to the right fans as soon as they open the app. Listeners who see your Marquee are twice as likely to save your tracks, making it a better way to develop your audience than trying to drive streams from social media. To find out more, go to artists.spotify.com slash marquee. On December 5th, 1999, 27-year-old Candace Caesar was following her dreams. She was the mom of a two-year-old son and an officer in the U.S. Army. Together, they were seeing the world. While serving a post in Germany, Candace was in a near-fatal car accident. I can't tell you where we were going. There were four of us in the vehicle. Candace was in the passenger seat, and the person behind her wasn't wearing a seatbelt. We were, we were skidding, and I felt like we were going to have a wreck. And I said a quick prayer out loud, and after I did that, I was, I thought I went to sleep, but they said I was knocked unconscious, but I don't, I don't know. The car hit a guardrail and flipped. The woman in the back flew forward into Candace. The other three passengers made their way out of the overturned vehicle without severe injuries, but Candace was still unresponsive. There was concern the vehicle might catch on fire, so they broke the front windshield, dragged her from the wreck, and laid her on the side of the road. It was a cold day, and passersby offered blankets, which they stacked on top of her. They didn't want to risk moving her, so her body was left against the frozen ground. What I heard was there was a stack of mile-high warming blankets on top of me, but nothing under me, which, of course, was a part of, I say, God's plan. She got hypothermia, which in any other case would be a tragedy, but here it saved her life. Candace's neck was broken, and she had a traumatic brain injury. If it weren't for the cold, the swelling in Candace's brain would have killed her. When Candace eventually came to in the hospital, the doctor said, you may never walk again. She replied, I'm going to walk a marathon. I'm Tennessee Watson, and this is Human Race. Each week on Human Race, we tell a story about runners and the world of running. This week's show is all about Candace Caesar. She's a dedicated runner on a mission to run half marathons in all 50 states in D.C. She ran 19 this year alone. But 17 years ago... That tragic car accident brought her life to a standstill. Getting going again meant letting go of who she was and accepting the ways her accident was making her someone new. That's a process that's still ongoing. Morning, ladies. Good morning. Candace's accident and her experience with recovery helps her empathize with people who are adapting to physical and mental challenges. She's been through so much, and she's reluctant to talk about it, which is why we start our day together here, at work. Candace works as a speech pathologist in LaPorte, Texas. 
a suburb south of Houston. Good morning, College Park Cougars. Today is Monday, October the 17th, 2016. She's responsible for students all over the district in three different elementary schools. But today, we're at College Park Elementary. And the official Cougar time is 7.57. Have a magnificent Monday. Candace's first student of the day is Alex. He has a warm smile and dark brown hair. She's setting up iPads for today's lesson, and Alex reaches for the iPad and taps the screen. And a friendly computer voice says the word, play. Oh, Alex, oh, you want to play. Candace is excited he used the iPad to express himself. So she ditches her lesson plan and follows his lead, encouraging him to use the iPad to say more. So what did you want to play? Toy. Okay, what toy do you want to play with? You want blocks. Candace seizes the opportunity to use the blocks to help Alex say the primary colors. Yellow, very nice. Yellow. What color is that? Blue. Blue. Candace works with all grade levels, but today she's focusing on students in the preschool program for children with disabilities. The work Candace does could help these three, four, and five year olds avoid a lifelong struggle with learning. You have students that have difficulty with reading, writing, arithmetic communicating, physical mobility, things like that. And that's what my job is, is to find the best way to give them access to the curriculum. Candace enjoys her job, but it can be stressful. I work with kids that can't communicate, and I have parents that sometimes don't work with their children. That bothers me. To process her emotions, she runs. But before Candace's accident, she never would have imagined being a speech pathologist or a runner. Candace's original plan was to be a career military officer. Ironically, one of the aspects of being in the military she hated most was the running. I hated it. It was so bad. I was in the Army, and we would have battalion ones. I'm telling you, I never, ever, in the seven and a half years that I was in the military, completed seven miles. If it was over two miles, I found a reason to get out of running. So then what do you think changed? I mean, how can you go from... Loathing running to loving it? When you go through a traumatic experience and you can't walk, you can't physically use your body, you become thankful for the fact that running is a gift. And for me, running is that. It's a gift that I've been given. After the accident, Candace was medically retired from the Army. But during her two years of rehabilitation, she worked with a speech pathologist who inspired her to do that work herself. She returned from Germany to her hometown of Houston, Texas, with a renewed sense of her path. She focused her attention on raising Trevor, her son, and pursued a bachelor's degree and a master's in speech pathology. Candace meets up with Nathaniel, her next student in the cafeteria. He's gone on these hip eyeglasses made from kid-friendly bendy plastic. He asks her to pick him up and spin him around. Turn. You want to play turn? When she picks up Nathaniel and turns, her long dreadlocks trailing behind her, she teeters a bit. She doesn't move through the world like most people. Her left arm isn't as strong, and she can't open and close the fingers easily on her left hand. She has permanent weakness on her right side, and she can't flex her right toes. Imagine walking with a flipper on one foot. Here we go. Turn. Whee! All right. I don't know the details of her recovery yet, but I imagine it took tremendous motivation. I wonder if that kind of motivation is something Candace can teach these kids. I like them 
to be my boss. She's not offering a sense of what they should be able to do. She wants them to imagine what they want to do and figure out what they need to do it. That makes language more powerful. You're like, when I have words, it makes me makes people do things. Whatever motivates them. Throughout the day, Candace drops little bits and pieces of her story. From lying on the frozen ground with a broken neck to learning to talk, read, and write again to her current pursuit of half-marathon finishes in all 50 states. But I have so many questions about what it was like for her to get back on her feet again. That's after the break. I've just spent the day with Candace at school. Now we're headed to her house to take a quick break and change into our running gear. Okay, so the first thing that's going to happen is I'm going to run into the house, put the dog outside. I'm going to let her go outside as you come in. She's a friendly and easily excitable mutt who can be a little nervous around strangers. All right, now we're at Candace's house. She's run inside to put her dog in the backyard. Then I get to come in. That was fast. Her house is an homage to her two greatest passions, running and her son Trevor. He's in college now. There are photos of the two of them framed all over the living room. Do we have any other pictures? This is how we spend our, our time, um, wrestling and fighting for fun. And so uh, the photographer actually caught us playing. From there, we head upstairs to see your medals. All right, here we go. As we navigate the stairs, I can see that when she bends her knee, her toes point straight down. She hikes her hip up extra high to get her toes to clear each step. That's because Candace has a condition called foot drop. Her spinal cord is partially damaged, so it doesn't deliver the message from her brain to flex her foot or lift her toes. And the only way I can describe it is is that the big toe, the pad of the foot drags, and your toes are pointed down towards the ground. So when I run, I kind of kick it over to the side. Right now, if Candace wants to walk with some degree of ease, she has to wear her shoes, which have a built-in rocker that help her roll off her toe. And when she runs, she wears a special brace that keeps her foot flexed. She's promised to show me that brace later. She sorts through a pile of bibs, medals, and race mementos overflowing out of a box onto a small couch. These are bibs. She pauses on a medal, tracing her finger over its engraving. Um, This is a quote by um, John Bingham. It's like, the miracle isn't that I finished. The miracle is that I had the courage to start. And that's actually pretty true. I think about Candace back on December 5th, 1999. Is it okay to ask about what happened? I knew you were going to ask me that. And you I knew I was going to ask that. I knew you were going to ask that. Yes. And I was like, how am I going to, to answer that? Because it causes so much trauma to me to remember or try to remember what actually happened. And I usually don't tell people what happened. I, first of all, I don't really remember what happened. I only know what people told me. Literally, when I finally came to, did not know who I was, didn't know where I was, thought I was in a concentration camp with Hitler. It was crazy. And um, people were coming to rescue me. I mean, the thing that the mind does, that's really all that I remember. Her friend Denise came to see her in the hospital and tried to cheer her up. 
She was like, oh, you look fine. Everything is okay. And I was like, I can't move my body. I can't feel anything. I feel nothing. Like, I couldn't even feel my left side. I felt absolutely nothing. Candace had broken the C6 and C7 vertebrae, where the neck meets the upper back. Using a piece of her pelvic bone and six screws, doctors restored the stability of her spine. As the swelling reduced, Candace started to regain feeling and movement, but she also suffered some setbacks as a result of the surgeries, like losing the ability to speak. And that was, like, catastrophic for me. Um, I'm about to cry now. I'm, I'm like, wow, I was helpless, and nobody could hear me scream. I was screaming in my mind, but nobody could hear me. I was trying to move, but my body wouldn't allow me. It was hard to deal with. Um, I've always been a strong person. I've always been in control. When you're helpless, you're not in control of anything. When you can't move your body and you can't will it to do what you want it to do, it, I mean, I just felt so useless. I hated being alive because this was not living. The one thing that I remembered was that I had a two-year-old son and I wanted to see him. In a state of panic-induced delusion, Candace felt trapped in the hospital. She heard voices, people telling her it was the end of the world. They also told me that I could walk. So when I got ready to get out of the bed, I pulled down all the IVs and everything, and I collapsed to the floor. That first year of rehab was intense. She had to learn to speak again and to be able to walk on her own. These are the most traumatic memories to recall like trying to read again for the first time. So they hand me the book, and I open it up, and doggone it, there are ants in the book. Oh, my God. I take it, I fling the book. I can't even make a sound, and I'm just freaking out. Everybody's like, what's going on? Later, I was able to tell them that I thought I saw ants in the book, but it were the words. The words were moving on the page. I couldn't focus to read. I didn't recognize a letter and they had to teach me to focus but at that point I was like why am I here I would ask God why did you save me you should have just let me die I mean I was just not in a happy place of course I had post-traumatic stress and depression and I was medicated for it and I took 32 pills a day and I was angry I hated life. Why did this happen to me? On top of it all, in the midst of her recovery, she separated from her husband. Being there for her young son was her primary motivation. To want to get up, get out of the bed, to live. When her doctor said, Candace, you may never walk again, she replied, I'm going to walk a marathon. I pressed Candace on this. Why a marathon? Even to Candace, the goal seemed kind of random, but she didn't question it. As soon as she could write again, she added it to her bucket list. Candace started the list when she was 12 years old. Her first entry, she wanted to eat a hot dog in a stadium in all 50 states, and she wanted to travel the world. But after the accident, her priority was getting better so she could take care of her son. And once he was heading off to college, she realized 
15 years had gone by, and she'd yet to walk that first marathon. And so I looked up a marathon, and there was one in my backyard, basically, in Sugarland, Texas. The registration website mentioned a local marathon training group. She went ahead and signed up for that, too. The first practice was a Saturday. The distance was two miles. Each pace was assigned a different color. The walkers got to wear purple, which only added to Candace's commitment. Oh, yeah, it's purple. It's my favorite color. This is so me. This is a sign from God. As a part of the training, they all signed up for a July 4th 5K. And Candace was there. Purple hat, purple shirt. I was ready to go. She gets started and... And there was this older gentleman. He's like 95 years old. He's kind of leaning to the side. He looks like he has arthritis. And he's like going faster than me in his little trot. And I'm like, if he can trot that fast, I can trot that fast too. So I'm going to try it. So I would walk a little, run a little, and we would he would get in front of me and I'd be behind him and I'd get in front of him. And we kind of tag team. Well, at mile two, he got tired of me tag teaming and he burned off and left me. Dusted by an old dude. And I was a little upset because he's 95 years old. There's no way he should beat me to the finish line. And I was like, and that running stuff wasn't so bad. Candace immediately transitioned from the purple group, the walkers, to the orange group, the slow runners. She figured out how to hike up her hip to compensate for the foot drop. But her technique wasn't perfect. When she got tired, the front of her shoe would inevitably catch on a piece of uneven sidewalk, and she'd fall. One day during a six-mile training run, one of the coaches saw her take a few diggers and checked on her. The coach said, are you hydrated properly? And I said, oh, I'm hydrated just fine. I have foot drop. And he said, you have foot drop? I'm like, yes, I was paralyzed on the right side. And that was the first time I told anybody in my run group. Her coach recommended seeing a podiatrist. But the podiatrist said he couldn't make a brace for running. Maybe she could Google it. She found a company in Canada called TurboMed that made a brace called the FS3000. Her first four months of running, Candace fell on almost every outing. With her brace, she hasn't fallen once. Up until that point, Candace had been reluctant to talk about the accident. With the brace, she stood out as someone who was differently abled, and she had to field questions about what happened. I'm kind of learning to own it. I'm starting to wear that, wear those colors of that flag as a mobility-impaired athlete. Athletes with disabilities are getting more attention these days. Several famous amputees have made the pages of Sports Illustrated, for instance. But foot drop isn't something often publicized, so the average runner probably doesn't know much about it. It can be caused by a spinal cord injury or a stroke and diseases like MS. Candace sometimes feels that it falls on her to be outspoken about this condition. But Candace shouldn't have to shoulder the responsibility of educating able-bodied people about what it's like for her to run. However, her willingness to talk about it has helped her connect with other runners. It even got her a guide for the Boston Marathon. And I'm like, I'm going to Boston! This is exciting! When Candace learned she'd qualified for the Boston Marathon as a mobility-impaired athlete, she shared her good news with other runners on Facebook. And a couple days later, I get a nasty gram in my inbox in my Facebook. And some lady that doesn't know me says, isn't it amazing how many people say they qualify for Boston, but they really don't? 
and she said, it's really sad, like people like you, I know you didn't qualify with this time. Candace was furious, but her response was measured. She informed the poster that she'd qualified for Boston as a mobility impaired athlete, which requires an eight hour finishing time. She ran her first marathon in Sugarland, Texas in six hours, 53 minutes. Instead of asking me how I overcame depression or how I started running, how I overcame the pain of picking up one foot and putting it, placing it down on the ground to run, you're telling me that I didn't qualify? Well, let me educate you. And so I started cutting and pasting things from the Boston Marathon about all mobility impairments because these people qualify. A woman named Jada Snyder saw Candace's post and reached out to her to offer support. If Candace ever needed a guide, Jada would be there. This was less than a month before the race. Candace said, sure, how about this year? So the day of the big race, everything is set. Candace has put a hater to rest, booked herself an enthusiastic race supporter. But the morning of, she wakes up and... I could barely lift my leg, and that happens. I never know what kind of day I'm going to have. I wake up, I can move, okay, or not. And that day was a really bad day. She did her stretching routine, doing her best to limber up, and she distracted herself by making friends with other mobility-impaired athletes. She took videos with them on her iPhone. This is my first Boston. This is my friend John, who has MS. Hi. He has foot drop, too. We're going to crush this And then she towed the line. And I say towed the line here because the mobility-impaired athletes, they start the race before the elites. If you happen to be watching the race on TV on Marathon Monday, you might have caught Candace snapping a selfie with the race director before the start. Despite morning pains and online haters, at Boston, Candace set a new PR, beating her previous time by 45 minutes. She clocked in at six hours and eight minutes. I lost my life in that accident. Um, I was 27, I believe, and I lost everything. I lost my career, I lost my husband, I lost the way that I do things, I lost everything. It's just like running is a rebirth. I'm a new person. And I'm generally in good spirits, but sometimes when you think about where you were, it hurts because you will never be that person again. But when I run, I'm just dancing and happy. And while I'm running, it hurts. It does hurt. It hurts while I run. But it's not, that pain is kind of trampled out by the reward that I get from finishing a race. After the break, Candace takes one more massive step in her decades of rehabilitation and we'll learn what that means for her as a runner. Stay with us. And we're back. Candace closes almost every day with a different running group. She's a member of Fort Bend Fit, Black Girls Run, and Team Red, White, and Blue, which is an organization that unites veterans and civilians through physical activity. And because all three groups know I'm in town, all three groups have decided to run together. Candace is honored, but it makes it hard for her to pick out the right T-shirt. She doesn't want to show favoritism. Like a celeb on the red carpet, I ask her what she's wearing. Oh, I'm wearing a run skirt and a Boston Califaya shirt with my sun visor and some shades. The last part of her outfit 
is her beloved Brace. This is the wonderful FS3000. It's awesome. The Brace itself is an L-shaped piece of lightweight, rigid plastic that functions like an exoskeleton. So first I take the brace, I put it on the shoe. The brace attaches to a clip that's laced into Candace's shoes. Then I insert my foot into the shoe. I lace it up. An arm runs from the top of her shoes back to a heel cup, which locks in with a plastic piece that runs up the back of her calf. I use the Velcro that goes around right below my knee to secure the brace in place. And there it is. We head off to the running group. There's about 50 people here. It's a diverse group. All ages, all races, all paces, and they're all here because of Candace. In fact, Norm isn't officially a member of any of these groups. He's just a Candace fan. She has a, a national reputation because of every place she goes, she'll find a bunch of uh, people and pull them all together at any race. So some people have that personality. I get pulled away from talking to Norm because Candace is gathering us together for a photo. All right, you have to get in this picture. All of you have to get in this picture. All of y'all got to get in this picture. No, that includes you too. You need to get in this picture. Running and photos go hand in hand. Candace takes a selfie at every mile out on the race course. Okay. Yay! Photos taken, now it's time to run. You can handle this pace, we're gonna go slow. Come on. Candace is encouraging on, Norm, slow. who came to the run alone, to run with us. Oh wait, I gotta stop. We pause so Candace can adjust her brace. Gotta adjust the leg brace, it's loose. I can feel it rubbing, there we go. All right, I'm ready to go. I wanna start. I keep stuff in my feet, but that's always. So if you listen, you're here too. Yeah. Candace sees her friend Shelly heading back early and hollers to check on her. Shelly, you okay? Yeah, all right. It's a relaxed run. Candace doesn't like to run and talk at the same time. So the three of us trot along together, and Norm does most of the talking. I think over the past year, she finally is beginning to realize that what she does is pretty awesome. It may not be fast. But there's a ton of people who are fast that have not run 26, 27. How many you got half marathons now? 27, 28? I lost count. 28 half marathons. Candace proudly tells Norm exactly how many half marathons she's run. 28. And she's also not ashamed to turn up a little competition in the home stretch of the run. Yeah, Candace. Oh, really? Come on! With Candace's encouragement, we all kick it into the finish. It's a steamy Houston evening, and everyone is milling about trying to cool down. Candace has rolled out a yoga mat in the parking lot, and she's diligently stretching and foam rolling. Is this a group picture with you stretching? No, I needed to get in there, so I had to use my ball. I could see on tonight's 5K run that when she gets tired, her foot scuffs more. It's incredible that she does half marathons almost every weekend. She draws energy from continually defying the odds, from finding solutions to problems that would stop anyone else. She loves racing so much, but doctors have told Candace that her body is deteriorating, and eventually, she'll no longer be able to run. The way she compensates for her foot drop causes extra wear and tear to her joints. 
There will be a time when I will not be able to get this right leg off the ground. But today is not that day. So this week is not that week. And I am going to beat the pavement with my feet for as long as I can. I am not going to stop racing. So when I'm no longer able to run, I'm going to hand cycle. And when I can't do that anymore, I will pass out the medals because I am there to support them. Because it is amazing how running with other people with other life stories can transform you. As we depart for the day, she casually mentions that she's going to the VA the next morning to see her physical therapist. She's trying out a device that might help her do something she hasn't done in 17 years. I meet Candace at the VA in the morning. We make our way down a few drab hospital hallways into a rehabilitation center. Good morning. How are you? Good, how are you? How's training? We're meeting with Janae Halter. Okay. She's a rehabilitation specialist with innovative neurotronics. They make the walk aid. With this device, Candace is finally, finally going to be able to do something that most runners take for granted. She's going to be able to flex her foot. Okay, I can't wait to try it so I can see what I look like when I walk in these. She busts out a pair of flip-flops. They're like so cool, like after a race, putting them on, but scuffing the toe, not fun. Falling on your face, not fun. The walk aid is a device small enough to strap onto the front of her shin, up by her knee. And if all goes according to plan, it will send electrical pulses to her nerve that in turn will get her muscles to flex her toes. Janae feels along the front of Candace's shin, just under her knee, and places two electrodes where she thinks Candace's nerve should be. It's going to shock the heck out of me. I really am not happy about that. Janae delivers the first pulses of electric stimulation, and Candace tenses up. Tell me what's happening. Yes! <laughs> I am being shocked. <laughs> I can feel the current going through um, through my leg and into my foot. And my foot rises or it moves to the side. Does it hurt? It's not comfortable, but it doesn't hurt. And so right now, it's the wow, wow, wow. That's like a muscle that I haven't felt in a very long time. Somewhere in the front of my leg, like in my shin somewhere. That was weird. Breathe. I'm sorry. Up until this point, Janae has been hitting a button to make the electrodes deliver the pulse. Now, it's time for Candace to try walking. So it has an accelerometer and an inclinometer built into the unit, so it's similar to a Wii remote. So as the device uh, moves in space on, you know, and this is programmed specifically for you, Candace, that's what tells the device when to turn on and when to turn off. And then there's a timing mechanism. So when you are going to be walking faster or slower, it will adjust based on timing and angle. So it looks for two, two variables. So it gives you a, a, a parameter width to be able to adjust your rate of speed. John Hertz, her physical therapist, helps Candace take her first steps. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Candace hasn't even walked forward yet, but she bent her knee enough to get a shock. She's got a good sense of humor about it, but she's got her legs stretched out straight and she's leaning to the side to keep her foot off the ground. Just know that it's going to stim. Yeah, okay, got it. Stim is Janae's shorthand for electric stimulation. And Candace gets the point that the pathway forward involves adjusting to how these electric impulses feel. Got it. Put foot down. I'm ready to walk. I got it. Okay, I'm getting used to it. It's better. I'm getting used to it. She takes a deep breath. And no longer pausing with every shock, she bends her knee. Her foot flexes, and she swings her leg through slowly as her toes clear the floor, one step at a time. 
I'm gonna try my flip flops. <laughs> All right, let's see. I can walk in flip flops. She comes over to John and Janae to give them big hugs. Look at this, you're awesome. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. And then Candace passes me her phone so I can film her going through all her new moves. Yes. Backwards. I love it, I love it. Okay, if she wasn't recording, I would cry. Candace doesn't cry, but tears definitely come to my eyes. Over the course of 30 minutes, she's flexed her foot walked barefoot, danced in flip-flops, and walked backwards. She's waking up muscles that haven't felt a nerve impulse since her accident. And there's a moment that comes as a total surprise to me, because the night before, Candace had told me she wouldn't be able to use the walk aid to run. But then, John asked her to try. So what am I supposed to do? Just light jog over to the other side. Straight over there. Mm-hmm. Turn around. Light jog. Light jog, what is a light jog when I don't have foot drop? Okay, light jog, light jog. <laughs> How's it feel? It feels great. Like I can feel the shocking, but it's not as bad as it was before. She goes back and forth across the room, learning to trust that she no longer has to hit bike because her foot actually clears every time. Will there ever be a time that I, it'll kind of, you know how they say runners have muscle memory? So, like, let's say I wore this for two years. Will I get some of that movement back? It's dependent a lot on your injury, and so it's going to depend on kind of where you fall in that. So this is um, like a helping device right now. Okay. And for some folks, they can relearn some of that, okay. right? They can get that, that path that does go from your brain to your foot can get stronger and stronger. And for other folks, they're already using it to the max. There is a chance that Candace will build enough muscle memory and the connection between her foot and her brain will improve enough that she could someday run without any assistance from technology. No brace, no electrical stimulation. I asked Candace how she's feeling about that possibility. You know, I feel a little scared <laughs> because I do identify with being mobility impaired and running. And I asked while I was in there, would this basically heal me? Is it a possibility that I could be healed? And what I was thinking in my mind, what would that look like? What does that look like on the course? I think it would basically look the same, even more so. I think I would have a lot more energy to run back on a course and help some more people and bring them to the finish line a little quicker because I know what it's like to be mobility impaired. I know what it's like to feel tired on the course. I know what it's like to be on a course for eight hours. It's amazing that your mind goes to how much more you could help people. I put a smile on someone's face my race is made. My celebration is in the celebrating of the others that get across that, that finish line. I've always been a helper, and that's one thing that my accident didn't take for me. Um, it took away the way that I open a bottle. It took away the way that I tie a shoe, the way I cut my food, the way I eat my food, the way I swallow my food, the way I move about a situation, but it never 
took away my faith and it did not take away how much I help other people. This week's episode was produced by me, Tennessee Watson, and Rachel Swaby. It was edited by David Weinberg. Production help by Mervyn Deganos. The theme music is by Danny Cock. David Willey is the editor-in-chief of Runner's World and the editor-in-chief of this podcast. Human Race is a proud part of Panoply. And there are some great photos of Candace out on the course over at runnersworld.com backslash audio. Check them out.